Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. I've got some good news about this year's Davos meeting. That is right. Good news. Let's shoot right over to CNBC and we'll talk about this controversy or what I think is a controversy. The media might not come out and say it explicitly, but I think if you read between the lines, we can understand there's something brewing with the politicians, the World Economic Forum, and the Davos meeting. So let's shoot over to CNBC and I'll kind of give you my thoughts and we'll try to connect some dots. And this is an idea that I've been mulling over for really the last couple months. I think you'll find it interesting. So just one G7 leader will join the Davos elite. And if you guys forgot, Davos is this month, January 2023. They usually do it in January, but last uh, they skipped it, I think, in 2021 or so. And that's why they only did it like six months ago in the summer. So now they're flipping back to their normal schedule. So just one G7 leader will join Davos elite this year as regular people battle with cost of living crisis. So I kind of scanned this article and there's really no proof that the G7 leaders are not coming because of inflation or because they have bigger priorities. I don't know about it. I think it could be something else, which is the good news I was talking about at the beginning of this video. So key points, Germany's Olaf Scholz is the only G7 leader scheduled to attend the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Switzerland, as it returns to its usual January time slot. The event will be will still be packed with some of the biggest names in finance, politics, media, uh, civil society. While they may cite busy schedules, former political advisor Ed Owen said they will be also be wary of seeing hobnobbing. Okay, so here is where I think this is where I would agree, but I would take it several steps further. But while they may cite busy schedules, former political advisor Ed Owens said they will also be wary of being seen hobnobbing with global financial elite amid a cost of living crisis. But you see, I think it could be that the World Economic Forum brand, think about the brand itself, right? I mean, as Americans, we understand brands probably better than any society, whether it's Nike, Coca-Cola, Apple, you know, just to name a few. We, 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 there, there is something that comes to mind when we think of this brand. Now, let's for a moment pause and shoot and think about what's happening with Twitter when Elon Musk took over. Now, whether you like Elon or you don't, that's not really relevant to this conversation. The fact of the matter is that several corporate advertisers that were, quite frankly, keeping Twitter afloat said, whoa, 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 whoa time out here. We're, we're backing out. We're not going to spend any more money with Twitter. We're going to wait and see how this plays out. Now, is that because they're just being woke and virtue signaling and doing all these things? I don't know, maybe. But th the bottom line is at that time, they didn't want to associate with the brand that was Twitter, and probably more specifically, the brand that was Elon Musk. So we understand this very well. And I, I let's remember that most of these politicians are probably in bed with Klaus. They might, uh, you know, call him up on the weekends, or uh, he might 
influence them to a great degree, but they still have to worry about optics. And I don't think it's the optics of just hobnobbing with the global financial elite that looks bad to their constituents. I think that now the World Economic Forum brand has become so toxic with the general population that it's, it's not really about them, the optics of hobnobbing with rich people. It's the optics of them just being associated with the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab due to, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit here, but due to channels like this and, and more people in the mainstream, whether it's uh, you know, Brett Weinstein, Joe Rogan, um, I mean, everyone, every, every pretty much person, even media outlets, I mean, even Tar, uh, Tucker Carlson has been talking about the World Economic Forum. I mean, everybody, and, and not in a good way. So because of this, I mean, just put yourself in the position of a, of, of a politician right now. And uh, I mean, you go on YouTube, you go on social media, you watch Tucker Carlson or whatever it is, or maybe even CNN might even be having uh, some things to say that, that might not be positive about the World Economic Forum or Klaus Schwab. I don't you know. I don't watch CNN. Um, but there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, if you want to look at brands and how toxic they are, and I said this on Twitter the other day, show me the brand right now that's as toxic as the World Economic Forum. Show me the brand. I mean, I would argue for, for those of you who, are a little older, you'll remember the Exxon Valdez. Remember that? Back when that was that oil spill where, where the, the the guy driving was buzzed or something like that. <laughs> Arizona in Alaska. And he and he the, the tanker crashed or whatever and it just spilled oil everywhere. Or maybe BP. Remember when they had that huge oil spill off the coast of what was that the coast of Louisiana but the Exxon Valdez that was I mean that was a big big deal I mean they're all big deals but I'm talking about in the mainstream media I mean at that time I can't remember when that was that was maybe what was that late 80s early 90s something like that but at the time there was no brand on the planet earth that was as toxic from a PR standpoint as Exxon no chance or let's think about uh, uh, the Enron, right? When they went bust or FTX. Now, that, that's an example of, of a toxic brand that you wouldn't, if you were a corporation, you wouldn't want to get within a mile of that guy. You, you would not want to have your name associated with them at all, like zero. But if, we're, if we really think about it, I don't see how... You, you wouldn't put the World Economic Forum in that category of an Exxon, an FTX, right now. And you may say, George, well, the political elite, they still like hobnobbing with Bono and, and Klaus and the, the, the gal at the UN and maybe uh, Christine Lagarde. And, you know, they still, yeah, I get it. I know they still like doing that. I'm not saying that they're disavowing, you know, privately, that they're disavowing Klaus. I'm just saying that to the mainstream media and to their constituents, they have to make it seem as though, no, we're arm's length away from those people at the World Economic Forum. We're disassociating ourselves with that brand, regardless of what they're doing behind the scenes, which is probably the opposite of that, right?
Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. I think that this is really good news that um, if, and I'm just speculating here, but that would be my base case, actually, that the reason there are there's only one G7 leader here has nothing to do with the cost of living crisis. I think it's more so to do with they just don't want to be associated with a toxic brand right now. And there is no brand that is more toxic than the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. And uh, you know, I would have to look at the rebel capitalist community and other people online and say, job well done, job well done, whether it's the Joe Rogans, the... Brett Weinstein's, the Tucker Carlson's, you know, whomever, the, the fact that, that people are really talking about this, that are very influential, and maybe Elon Musk himself. I don't know if he, I would, wouldn't doubt it if he's tweeted some things about the World Economic Forum. But that, you can you can tell that, that word is spreading. I mean, you guys know that better than I do. There was also some stuff going on saying that there, the Swiss Army is preparing 5,000 troops at uh, the World Economic Forum in Davos to... Uh, protect themselves because they're supposedly going to be mass protests and that kind of goes along with what you were just saying absolutely yeah thanks for the the insight there josh i appreciate it i'm assuming that typically they have a lot of security but maybe security is is even more heightened because of uh the, the toxicity of the brand it goes right back to that and you know that's what these people are protesting and ironically uh the, it's not just the the right or the left issue it's people on both sides of the political spectrum. They all hate World Economic Forum. They all hate Davos. Either you hate them because of you're a rebel capitalist, or on the left, if you're an AOC type or something, then you hate them because they're not doing enough. <laughs> they're they're not they're not promoting big government enough for you. And uh, so I guess uh, you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> Uh, at a certain level, but let's keep going down the article. But they do point out that it's not the first time the summit has been sparsely attended by leaders over the last decade, sometimes only two or three. Uh, but they say this time it's it's a little bit different with just one. They point out that Trump went a couple times, Barack Obama did not. And they also say that the usual, a lot of the usual suspects are there, such as Henry Kissinger and the uh, World Health Organization guy, Tedros I can't pronounce his last name, but you guys, the guy with glasses that we've seen nonstop since race of sickness. And then everyone's favorite, Antonio Guterres. And I've done countless videos on this clown. He's the guy at the at the UN that's just obnoxious. Just the, one of the, the, the 
people at the forefront of the Malthusian cult. And then actor Idris Elba, which again is kind of why, what, what, what does this guy have to offer? Uh, other than just, you know, photo ops and whatnot. So then uh, they talk about the German guy that's going there and he, to, uh, to speak. Okay, fine. And then they say, they kind of shift over to why some of the others might not be there. But again, they're speculating. And they're talking about energy crisis, food scarcity. And let's go back to the World Economic Forum's main objectives, explicit objectives. This is not tinfoil hat. This is me just regurgitating what they are saying in their own words. The two main problems with the world are population and energy use. So in the developed countries, you want to reduce energy usage. And in the in the poorer countries, you want to reduce the population. Now, they would say that you want to do that. Uh, you don't want to do that forcefully. You want to encourage people to do that. But I'd say, I don't know, is it, is it that far of a stretch to assume that they would be okay with taking a tops-down approach to that? I mean, honestly. Uh, but those two objectives, remember, you always got to, whenever you're, you're looking at the World Economic Forum or Klaus or UN or Global Elite IMF, you've got to start with that framework. No, two objectives that, that supersede everything in their worldview. Lower population, lower energy use. So when they, uh, I think it's ironic that CNBC here said that uh, the World Economics own pre-summit annual risk report said the cost of living crisis was the biggest threat to the world today, highlighting the impact of energy crisis, which would do what? Lead to lower energy use. And food scarcity, which would do what? Reduce the population in the poorer countries. So I'm not saying that there's that they're the puppeteer and that everything that's happening in the world today is uh, because of them kind of steering the ship. I think that's probably unlikely. I think my base case would be that they're just trying to take advantage of any crisis. But I do think it is interesting that the, the major problems that we have today lead to results, outcomes that would be aligned with their objectives, right? You, you look at a potential World War III, potential nuclear war. What does that do to population? You know, you, you look at and just go back to Malthus himself, one of the, the, the main strategies. He had two main buckets for managing population. Uh, one was to try to encourage people to get abortions and only have one kid just to morally, uh, you know, is there a moral duty just to not have more than two kids to try to convince, persuade people using government or whatever you need to do. And then the other bucket was, oh, well, we've got this thing. It's kind of bad. But on the other hand, it's really good. That would be war, famine, disease. So what do we have since 2020? Disease, war, famine, energy crisis, which would contribute to uh, famine for sure. So it, it is interesting, especially when you combine that with the potential that the Cervasa sickness was man-made. Again, we're just connecting the dots. We're trying to think through a hypothesis that may or may not be correct. But, but again, it is, I think, worth noting that the Cervasa sickness did two main things, reduce population, reduce energy use. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, can, can we, do we have enough proof to connect those dots? Maybe, maybe not. But I don't think that we can dismiss them altogether. And they talk about the UK Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, who I think is is almost as much of a pawn as Trudeau. I mean, I, I think he's Trudeau Jr., quite frankly. 
don't know if you guys watched my recent video I did with him talking about a central bank digital currency going back to last year. I thought it was suspicious that Liz Truss is there for what, 44 days and gets the ax. And then this guy just, I don't even think he's really elected. I just, everyone else just said, oh no, we're not going to do it. So just by default, he kind of got the job. I think that's weird, but let's keep going through the rest of the article here. They just point out how he's basically a billionaire. And uh, okay, it goes about the, talks about the problems that the UK is having right now. And then they conclude by saying in 2019, Dutch historian Rutger Bergman accused many of his fellow attendees of failing to pay their fair share of taxes while speaking of participation, justice, equality, and transparency. Well, I probably wouldn't agree with uh, Mr. Bregman on too many things, but uh, I do think it's good that he's calling out the hypocrisy of, of Davos, uh, that's for sure. And then I'm sure George Soros is there, <laughs> along with Henry Kissinger. All right, so that's what's going on with Davos. I think it starts next week, so I'm sure we'll get some more stories and talk about it further. But the main takeaway, at least for me, is I think that uh, we could be seeing uh, that brand toxicity of the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab start to impact the decision-making of the politicians. And I don't see how it's a bad thing that moving forward, politicians will want to disassociate themselves with uh, the global elite. We'll have to see how this plays out. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to stay on top of the story and see what happens over the next year or so. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you on the next video.